0: Welcome to this week's episode of Adulting. Learn how you can become a bajillionaire. Start investing to build your wealth for your financial future.
1: Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan Landis, and I'm here as usual with Miranda Marquit. Hi, Miranda.
0: Hi, Harlan. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. Good. We are in a situation right now where... Everybody seems to want to do whatever the millionaires do. For millionaire habits, everybody's trying to, you know, uh, there's a lot of articles these days just writing about, you know, these are the the behaviors of millionaires or billionaires. And this is what you need to do if you want to become one of this, one of you know, be part of this select few. Personally, I I'm kind of sick of uh, people um, worshiping you know the attitudes of you know certain people based on wallet size. I think it's I think it's kind of crazy. I mean, after all, there are a lot of people who follow those guidelines and are not ridiculously wealthy. Um, there are people who follow those guidelines and are not wealthy at all. Just because that these are behaviors of somebody who has a lot of money doesn't particularly mean that following those behaviors is going to result in any kind of success that being said there are certain things that we can all do to improve our financial condition over time one of those things is starting very early starting yesterday so that's what we're talking about today starting yesterday how do we start investing yesterday in order to become one of these bajillionaires
0: I like your point that sometimes it's not really always about having your status based on a dollar amount. I like the idea of uh, moving forward and figuring out what matters to you and having enough for you and your lifestyle. Like if I uh, never end up with, you know, a whole big pile of money, if I don't end up a bajillionaire, I'm not going to be sad because um, I've built a life that I enjoy and it's not based on having a heap of money in the bank. So I think it depends too on First starting out, figuring out what matters to you, Uh, but you do need to start investing and investing is one of the best ways to build wealth for the future. And so that should be part of your plan, whether you want to be a bajillionaire later or not. The key, and
1: this has been written about so many times, is just starting as soon as possible. You know, we kind of joke that we want to start yesterday sooner than possible, um, because that's really the way to get ahead. I mean, every every year, every month, every day that you aren't saving for the future is going to make it much more difficult to catch up later. I mean, we talk about catching up. I mean, you're catching up to this potential ideal that doesn't really exist. Um, so so really, when we talk about starting yesterday, we're talking about starting today. I mean, there are certain things that you can start doing right now, whether you are still in middle school, still in high school, still, you know, on your first job as an adult out of college, no matter where you are, there are things that you can do. Of course, we're not really talking about what a seventh grader can do. Uh, that's not our audience here. We're, we're talking about things that burgeoning adults can do, whether burgeoning adulthood happens in your 20s, 30s, or, or teens. When you get your first income, Right there, whether it's coming from an allowance, whether it's coming from uh, a job at McDonald's or some other kind of retail job, or whether you're working in in your parents' office for, you know, 12 bucks an hour, working on the computer, whatever you happen to be doing, that is the moment. Don't forget that when you get that paycheck, you've got to do something other than just spend it all. There's this new account that's out there that is perfect for situations like that. Uh, it's not a perfect account all around, but there are some attributes to it that make it really good for this sort of thing, and it's it's the MyRA. Uh, it's been in the news lately because it's it's spreading. This was it was introduced a couple years ago, and now there's more of an opportunity for people take it to take advantage of this MyRA. Miranda, you've you've written about this many times, so maybe you can you can explain exactly how the MyRA works.
0: Right. So the MyRA is basically um, a federally sponsored Roth IRA. And it, because uh, it's, it's mostly available to those with low incomes and those whose own workplaces don't offer a retirement account. If these places want to offer some sort of retirement account, they can go to the federal government and they can get this federally sponsored MyRA program. Now, the MyRA doesn't allow you to decide where you're going to invest the money that you put in there. Uh, you do need to um, you need you, you you're, you're just gonna have it put into uh, Treasury and the principle that you do put in though is guaranteed uh, in other accounts like if you open up your own IRA account or if you use a 401k account even the principal you put in can be lost uh, however with the my RA the principle you use that's the money that you choose to put in the account is guaranteed by the Treasury but you're only going to be investing in bonds. You can't invest in stocks when you have a MyRA. So it's important to realize that. So let's take about
1: fifteen or twenty steps back here. Um, <laughs> uh, we're talking. We're talking. We're talking about retirement. We're talking about okay. investing in stocks and bonds. We're talking about investing in treasuries. You know, someone who's on their first job and is getting their first paycheck—they're not thinking about retirement, and we don't even know what retirement's going to look like in thirty years. Uh, stocks and bonds; these are things that people, you know, when they're first starting out, they really—they don't know about these things. So let's back up a bit and just talk about what you need to do in order to save the money that you're starting to get, whether it's from you know an allowance or whether it's from your first job. How, how do we figure out? how to save money when we're getting that first paycheck and what are we saving for?
0: Right. So the first thing to do is realize that you want to build this habit because you're saving for uh, the future. You're saving for whether it's, you know it depends on what you're saving for. I personally do have a retirement account, even though my retirement isn't going to be traditional. But the idea is to build up money so that later you have a little more financial freedom and flexibility uh, to do a little bit more of what you want, which is kind of the point of these long-term investment accounts that are called retirement accounts, that you may not have the same kind of retirement that your grandparents had, but it's there for later in life when you have that financial freedom and flexibility. And as for figuring out how much money, you know you there are many different ways you can use you can say well i'm going to put aside 10% or 20% of my income uh, putting it up by a percentage helps you you know break that out and it also sets you up for that each time you get a raise your your contributions increase as well And it's funny that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're not talking about seventh graders here. Well, my son is a seventh grader and he has an IRA. Every month he takes 20%. He actually takes 20% of his income and puts it into long-term savings.
1: Uh, So how did he get to the point where he's doing this? Was it, it's not an idea that he had, (laughs) it's something that you instilled in him.
0: Right. And I just said, this is what you do with your money. And that's kind of the mindset you have to go in. Too, and say, what are my priorities? And say, what am I gonna do with my money? In uh, and, and my case and in my son's case, the priorities are, well, when I, get, when I get money, this is how much goes to charity, this is how much goes to future savings, th- and then that's just for my son, and then he can do whatever he wants with the rest. And then for me, it's like, this is how much has to go to bills, this is how much goes to our travel fund. So it's part of getting in this mindset of, all right, let me look at what matters to me and what my priorities ought to be and starting with the top priorities. And it goes to a mindset of saying, I want my top priority to be preparing for the future and building wealth for my financial freedom down the road and say, that is my priority, so that's what I want to do with a certain percentage of my income, no matter how small it is.
1: The the problem with that is it's a lot easier to say than it is to do, and I know this from personal experience. My first job out of college was working for a nonprofit organization uh, where I was not earning enough money in order to make my bills. Um, I mean, we can talk about the idea of saving 10% uh, or 15% or 5%, But when your bills are higher than what you're getting paid, if you're living on your own for the first time and you realize that you have to make rent payments and your rent payments and your food payments exceed your paycheck, the idea of saving money is just unfathomable. So that is really something that we have to get past. And the way that I had to solve this problem for myself was making some sacrifices that I didn't expect to make when I was, you know, in my early 20s. I had to change my living situation. I could no longer afford to live with just one roommate uh, an hour and a half away from the office. I had to move closer. I had to get a bunch of roommates and I had to really reduce those expenses so that I could look at that paycheck and say, listen, okay, now I can put 80% to my living expenses, you know, another 15% to food, another 5% to student loan and credit card repayment, which wasn't enough, uh, but it was at least enough to get by. And then I have. Five percent left for other things that I'd like to do, including saving. Was that was a situation that I had to figure out how to deal with. I didn't deal with it until I actually looked at the numbers and and tried to figure this out after I had gotten in some serious financial trouble. Uh, so this is this is not something that it's just going to come through by saying, oh yeah, you just save ten percent of your income and you won't have any problems. There are so many. It can be completely overwhelming when you are not earning enough money in order to do these things that everybody on these financial shows says is the basic advice. You know, that's what I had to do in order to to get past this is make lots of sacrifices and possibly change the direction of my life. I was planning to go in one direction uh, with my life. It involved nonprofit, it involved the arts and involved teaching. But I had to make some difficult choices to actually change the direction because I was not able to earn. The money that I needed in order to in order to live uh, a basic life you know to, in order to meet my basic needs that's something that you've got to consider as well now if you're just if you're still living at home and you're living with your parents and you're just got a job to help you pay for your car then sure that's something you can you have a little bit more flexibility
0: right and well but I, I like what you say about looking at it and saying okay what sacrifices do I need to make but uh, one of the things that I realized at one one point was, Hey, you know, I say I'm cutting early in my marriage. We were like, Oh, we're cutting everything to the bone. Oh my gosh, there's no way we can possibly cut any more, but yet we're still struggling and we don't have enough to save. And we said that at the beginning of our marriage. And then we stopped and we really looked what we were spending our money on. And we still had cable. We had cable TV. We were going out to eat twice a week, uh, you know, grabbing food twice a week. And we realized that, you know, well, this doesn't work for everybody, and I understand that. But in our situation, even though we were like, oh, we are cutting to the bone, there is no possible way for us to cut any more out of our budget, as well, at all. Uh, studies indicate that we all waste 10 to 15% of our income each month. Sometimes it requires going back through and seeing where those money leaks are. And sometimes it requires like what you said, Harlan, saying, well, maybe I need to change my living situation. Maybe I need to change uh, the direction I'm going. And and it's never easy to do those things and it's never fun. But sometimes you, you kind of have to sit down and say, This isn't working. Why isn't it working? And what can I do? To change the way this is going. Because yes, there may be some sy- systemic things that are keeping you you down. But if you sit around and wait for systemic change, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. And you have to sit down and say, are there things I can do? And it's this balance and it's hard to find that balance because you don't want to be victim blaming. But at the same time, <laughs> there are things that anybody can do to try and you know make little changes and move forward.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that can help is getting into some positive habits from the very first, from your first job. That might not be directly investing, it might not be a 401k, it might not be an IRA, but just taking that money and putting some aside and getting into the habit of every time you receive money, even if it's just 1%, even if it's just a dollar, even if it's a dollar every paycheck, two dollars every paycheck, a dollar every month, it doesn't matter. Um, and I know with the the, the my has no um, investing minimum, so you could actually invest directly with with those small amounts. I I like the idea of just having a separate savings account first. And I think, you know, part of the problem is that a lot of people don't have checking and savings accounts when they when they have their first job, especially if their first job is, you know, perhaps it's a job where you're getting paid cash. That's that's okay. Just get in the habit of having a jar set aside where you can put some of that cash away, whether it's that or whether it's getting a paycheck, whatever it is. Believe me, you may feel like you can't afford 50 cents a week but you can start at 50 cents a week you can start at the cost of you know one coffee a week or one soda a week or one meal a week if you can start there at a young age you can you can start moving forward so that i mean that's who we're talking to we're talking we're talking to young adults here they still have the opportunity to get ahead to get into the habit right now by saving a portion of their income. And one of the reasons to do this, again, is there could be there could come a time later on when you don't have income. The more you're able to set aside when income is coming in, the smoother you'll be able to ride out any periods of inconvenience from whether it's a lack of income or other other emergencies coming
0: your way. Right, for sure. And part of that is, uh, you talk about just putting money away, autom- you know, making it a habit. I like to automate. And a lot of millennials today are very tech savvy and they're fine with automating their finances. And if you have that option where if you've got a job where they're like, we will automatically put this money into an account of your choosing, then just do that because then you never even see that money to spend it. Too often we're like, oh, this is how much money I have and then we'll spend it. And then whatever is left over, we'll set aside. But really, if you, if you, if you have the option to do an automated plan, do an automated plan and that's especially true if you happen to be in a job that offers a match an employer match because that's free money when they give you a match to put in your when you in your retirement fund that's free money from the employer uh, but even if you don't have a match go ahead and have it automatically taken out of your paycheck because and then it's done automatically you don't have to worry about it and it's just it's being done and earning that compound interest
1: So we've talked a little bit about, you know, one of the reasons that people don't do this right away is, you know, just, just the fact that they feel that they don't have they don't have the money to get started. You know, if we can get past that, we can probably get past some other fears as well or some other barriers. Perhaps people don't start because they're afraid that if they invest money, that they're going to lose money. Right. You know, there's a, there's a big issue. Young people, there's two different types of, of people. There's there's those who are technologically savvy, like you talked about. Uh, there's those who are ready to use the tools that are available to them once they know how to use them. But there's also people who are concerned uh, and they don't trust the financial industry. I mean, it's great that we're talking about investing, but how, if, if you don't, if you haven't grown up in a way that you've used bank accounts or you've seen parents or other role models investing, how do you get over this and learn to trust the financial industry with your money? And is the financial industry an entity that we can trust, really?
0: There's so much to unpack there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But they do say, uh, you know, the studies have come out that indicate that millennials are investing at a lower rate than than their Gen X counterparts and even their boomer counterparts because they are concerned. They saw their parents go through the great recession. Uh, they are concerned about losing money in the stock market. Um, and, and it is it is it can be a little bit uh, disconcerting to try and figure out how you're gonna do that and how you're gonna make it happen. And so to a certain degree, Um, You do need to think about that. But at the same time, uh, one of the things that can help you, I I don't know if I'd say trusting the financial industry as a whole, but one of the things that can help you is when you look at the stock market as a whole and how the stock market performs over time. I'm not talking about individual stocks. I'm talking about the stock market as a whole. And in any 25-year period since the stock market was invented and In any twi- 25 year period, there has never been an overall loss. You'll have periods of loss over periods of years, uh, like five years maybe, or one year. And if you're looking at you know what happens from day to day, you're gonna see a lot of volatility. But if you step back and you look at that big picture, Uh, And we'll go ahead and put us in our show notes. We'll go ahead and show a stock chart. Uh, You step back and you look at it, that trend line kind of smooths out and it goes up. So if you can kind of look at it as a big picture thing that you're going to be doing for the next two or three decades, then that can help reduce your fears a little bit and help you feel a little bit more confident about stock market performance one of the reasons why a lot of these millennials parents lost money during the recession d- during the great stock market crash following the financial crisis in 2008 uh, is because they freaked out they listened to all the noise and they sold and locked in their losses if they had just kept that money in they would be taking care- they would be they would be enjoying the fruits of a bull run right now
1: it's very hard if you haven't been in the habit of long term Envisioning, I, I we don't think about the long term, especially when you know when we're young and we're first getting out into our first job. We're thinking about our immediate needs: how are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to deal with uh, cooking for the first time? How are we going to deal with you know living on our own for the first time or raising raising a family? Even you know these are immediate things that people are concerned about. So it's very hard to see the long term picture. So the more we can just get. An idea of what it's like to think about the future, the m- more we can understand that the, the bumps in the road are not only expected uh, when it comes to investing, but necessary in order for us to really realize all that the stock market and all that the financial industry has to offer. It only works for you if you think long term and Uh, And if you stay in and don't panic when there are difficult things that you read about in the news about the stock market crashing, the more you can ignore the day to day news, the financial news, the better off you'll be because you'll be able to focus on the long term, unlike the media, which is always focused on the immediate and what is going on right now. You've just got to ignore that as much as possible and just remain focused on the long term, and that's really hard to do when you're young. But you have to start to see the see the process that you know this is a, this is a long term process,
0: right? For sure. And, and a lot of the time, like you said, it's hard to see that when we're when we're younger. But you really do need to start thinking ahead and sort of figuring out, well, what do I want my life to look like later, and consider that as part of your planning and realize that. You know, that's one of the best ways to move forward. OK, so I
1: think a lot of people also don't immediately start investing because they don't believe that they have enough information or the, the information that they're being fed by people, uh, whether it's people who come to their work to explain to them their options or uh, like a 401k or whether it's, you know, from reading news or whether it's even from classes in school Um, It can just be overwhelming when you start talking about stocks and bonds and how do you know which stocks to choose when you're choosing stocks? There's, you know, there's thousands, thousands of ways to invest. So it's, it's overwhelming and it's easy to feel that you don't have enough knowledge. Uh, in order to be successful. What do you suggest in order for people to overcome this fear of not having enough knowledge?
0: Right. So one of the best things you can do, of course, is research, get more knowledge. But sometimes just even that starts feeling like information overload. And we have stories that say, when you have all these options, when you have all this information, your brain starts to shut down. So one of the things that uh, I think has been useful for me in my personal life has been indexing. And if you listen to the Money Tree Investing podcast, where we talk about investing all the time, if you listen to that podcast, you will find that like my mantra is index funds, index funds, index funds, because it makes it really easy to move forward. You don't all you need to do is understand that an index fund or an index ETF that's a collection, it's based on a segment of the market or even the market as a whole. So with an index fund, you can just invest in the entire market as a whole, and then you take advantage of that market performance. And as the market goes up, your investments go up, and as long as you're taking a long-term view of things, you have a very good chance of coming out ahead in the end. You won't beat the market when you're using this sort of plan because you won't, because you'll have a little bit of fees for your, your index funds, and all you're doing is following how the market goes, and then you'll have a little bit taken off for the fees, So you will never be at the market when you follow this strategy, but at least you'll keep pace with it and it's a way to feel a little more comfortable and you start doing that and then if you want to research other methods of investing, then by all means, while you're building up with your index funds, go ahead and research something you think would be more profitable for you. So
1: I think we need to talk about what an index fund is and how specifically that someone who is in their first job can get started. So an index fund is, you know, like you said, just a a group of investments, usually stocks that you can invest in in one fell swoop. Just at one time with one investment, you get this broad, diversified uh, array of companies that you're investing in. And the good thing about that is because it's diversified, when any one company crashes, there's enough in your investments to make up for it with the success of other companies but of course the same uh, the same thing is true on the other side if there's one company that just really does so well uh, and your investment in that company goes way up there's still other companies that you're investing in to take your whole portfolio and just make it make it so it it just evens out all the ups and downs and that's a great way over the long term to build a nice portfolio that still is smooth, a little less risky, and it just does what you need it to do over the long term without without too much risk. So how do we do that? I'll, I'll explain exactly how I did this uh, when I first started investing. Um, first, because the MyRA doesn't allow investments in index funds. This is something that you have to do either instead of or in addition to the MyRA. If you start putting away a certain amount, you know, whatever you can from your paycheck into a separate savings account and doing this over and over, eventually you'll have enough, say $100. Now, sometimes it may be $500 that you need, but you can open up an account at a company, uh, I suggest Vanguard, Vanguard Vanguard.com, V-A-N-G-U-A-R-D.com. You go there, you can easily open an account, you just have to fill out an application, and with your banking information, you can start a transfer from one to the other, And Vanguard will offer you, it'll allow you to choose which index fund you want to invest in. And there's one called the Total Stock Market Index Fund, Um, and its initials are VTSMX. Uh, So just remember that. We'll have it for you. This is exactly what you want to do in order to get started. There's no reason to have to research anything else. Um, This really includes everything. All you have to do is once you have that uh, minimum investment amount, it might be $100, it might be $500, um, but you can start with that transfer. And then from there, you just have it automatically transfer every week or every two weeks or every month. And that is what you need to get started. That's all you need to do. There's no need to worry about other investment companies. There's no need to worry about other investment uh, options, um, like other funds. Just just get started with this one thing. Get started right away, and then you can take the time to learn more about investing. This at least gets you somewhere where you're not wasting time. And part of the reason that people don't get started is because they're not told exactly what they need to do right away. And this is something that you can do right away to get started. Right.
0: And there are other places as well. Uh, I know... You love Vanguard, <laughs> but, uh, but there are also other places as well. Uh, if you have $100, you can do a month. So that's like 25 bucks a week. If you have a job that allows that, you can go ahead and start with Betterment. And that's actually a company that I like because it, it just sort of takes care of a lot of it for you. And they use index ETFs and they do a mix of stocks and bonds. And so I really like that as well. And then uh, it's also worth noting that if you do in fact have a company that offers a plan, ask if you can see your investment options. And like uh, like Harlan pointed out, most of these plans have some sort of a Vanguard option or something from Schwab or something from Fidelity that's an all market fund, and you can choose to have your retirement fund made up. You know, put your dollars in that. And so ask, you know, if you've got a job that has a plan, go into human resources, ask about your options and then choose, uh, choose one of these. Just just look for an all market fund and choose that.
1: Yeah. So I think one thing that can be helpful is actually naming the companies that you and I trust. Um, And if you see an investment that doesn't have these names associated with it, um, but you have another option, which perhaps has one of these names associated with it. Um, we can't say a hundred percent for sure that this will be better, but it, we know that it won't be bad. And that's <laughs> when you're starting or, or out, really, really awful, <laughs> or really awful.
0: Yeah, we just want to avoid really awful.
1: So when you're starting out, that's what you need to you know look look for one of these names. I said Vanguard. Miranda says, Betterment, uh, we all say uh, Fidelity, uh, we all say uh, TIAA-CREF. There are some issues with them. Um, Just, you know, you want to make sure that you're investing in a mutual fund there. Just because you can get trapped into an annuity and that's another issue altogether. In general, Vanguard, Betterment, Fidelity, TIAA, Cref. Any others that you want to add to that list?
0: Uh, Schwab usually has a few things and Mm -hmm. uh, even even eBay, not eBay, whoa, even E-Trade has a few things you can look into. If you want to go to like ETrade or Trade King, uh, these are low cost online brokerages, and they usually have a wide variety of investment options that are either Vanguard or Fidelity based or, or, or Schwab based. Um, and then also there's a lot of things from like iShares, uh, they do ETFs. So, uh, iShares is, is one you can look into as well when you see like an iShares ETF, like an all-market ETF.
1: One, one of the things that would have helped me when I started was realizing that there are two different types of companies, or two different things that companies can do. First, there's the investing management side of things. And then there's the investment account side of things. So you can go to a company that does both. Uh, Like I went to Vanguard. When I went to Vanguard to open an account, I also invested in Vanguard Investments. Uh, You can go to Fidelity uh, and open an account at Fidelity and invest in Fidelity Investments. Now, you could also open up an account at Betterment and then invest in Betterment's Investments. Uh, so they do that as well. You can also go to a company like ETrade and open an account where you can use that account to invest in Vanguard Investments, uh, or you can use your E-Trade account to invest in Fidelity Investments. Or you can even use an E-Trade account account to invest in E-Trade's own investments. So you have to think about these two things separately, even though there's a lot of overlap. Um, It can get confusing. You know, a lot of people will say when they first start investing, oh yeah, I have a 401k. Okay, well, what are you invested in? Uh, Well, I'm invested in the 401k. Well, the 401k is just a type of account, and then inside that account you have different investments that you can invest in. So it's important to get that distinction, Uh, it's important to understand that right off the bat, because personally, it was confusing to me at first. I had to realize that there are investments that sit inside an account, and different companies can run the account while other companies are operating the investments inside those accounts.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good, important distinction to make that, you know, sometimes we get caught up in this and and trying to figure out what are we doing? What's going on? But we can uh, make that distinction and then kind of move forward from that.
1: All right. So let's let's talk about what you can do right now. I think we've gone through and described very specific steps about things that we can do to get started. What do you do in order to figure out Exactly what amount you can start putting away for savings or for investing or for, you know, we talk about retirement, but anything down the road.
0: Yeah, so uh, I think that's your first step. Your first do now is to figure out how much you can invest every week, even if it's only like five or 10 bucks. And to figure out how to do that, I think your first step is to look through your spending, look through your receipts, look through your bank statements, figure out where that money is going and then identify Uh, one or two things, whether it's eating out for lunch every day, or whether it's a massive bill for cable that you don't even watch, whatever it is, go through, identify some things that you're spending money on that are not priorities in your life. And that can be one of the easiest ways to figure out how much you can invest each week by looking back through your spending habits and identifying where you have been spending on things you don't care about and cutting those out and then putting that money towards your future.
1: Yeah. And I would say, even while you're doing this, start just with a dollar, dollar a week, just start a dollar a week and keep increasing that. Just increase it every couple of weeks, every two weeks, just go from $1 to $2 and go from $2 to eh, let's, let's, let's double every two weeks and see where that gets you. At some point you're going to start feeling it. And at that point, when you start realizing that, okay, I've got this money set aside right now, but um, actually not, you know, I I need to back off in the saving just a bit. All right, so back off, take some time, don't increase, don't double each week, just just add a little bit more each week instead of doubling, because doubling will obviously snowball pretty quickly. Um, But if you do that at the beginning, and then just slow down just a little bit, once it starts once you start feeling the pain um you know continue to feel the pain the pain of savings is good um but don't don't overdo it right away but stick to that doubling first and
0: then just slow it down i I think that makes a lot of sense
1: the next do now uh the next thing that you need to do uh, now that you've save some money is to open an account at a specific place, um, and open an account to invest. One of the, I've talked about Vanguard, the minimums might be a little high there, um, if you don't have 500 ready, ready to go. Um, so, uh, I, I think, I I think actually the minimum there is a hundred dollars now, but I'll check on that and we'll see. Um, but, Uh, if you want to start with the account with less than that, then there are other places that you can open an account. Um, right. What what do you suggest?
0: Yeah. So opening an account with an online stockbroker with low minimum is like you said, a good place to get started. Uh, There are places like Trade King, uh, where you don't have a minimum and you can start investing with a pretty low amount. I think E-Trade has a low minimum to get started. There's a new one in town called Acorns where basically uh, you can invest with pocket change. Uh, You do have to watch out. The fee is percentage wise pretty high, especially if you are investing a very small amount of money, but it is a way to get started and it is a way to do it automatically. Uh, But but Trade King is generally considered a very good place to start and uh, E-Trade is pretty good as well.
1: Okay, and then from there, once you have an account, they will allow you to do this right when you're setting up your account. Uh, If you do it online, you just sign up for the automatic investment plan. Just do it. Don't think about it. Um, whatever it is that you've determined you can invest, uh, you know, on a periodic basic e- uh, basis every month or whatever it happens to be, just sign up, get it done right away, and you won't even notice that the money is not in your checking account when you when when you operate your day to day life. Um, so that that is the third thing that you know is just so imperative that it gets done right away, regardless of whether you're on your first job, regardless of whether you're getting paid in cash or getting a paycheck every couple of weeks. No matter what, go through those those three specific steps and uh, you'll you'll definitely be much, much more prepared for everything that's going to come your way later in life. So we have a listener
0: question. We're always happy to get listener questions, so please feel free to send yours in. And this week's question from the listener is, what do I do if the stock market starts to crash? Is it time to sell? Yeah, so if
1: you sell when the market crashes... Uh, then what is going to happen is that you are locking in all of the losses that happen due to the crash. The truth of the matter is we can't predict the future. We don't know when the best time to buy and the best time to sell any kind of investment is going to be. Um, If we had that kind of information, it would be public knowledge. And if it were public knowledge, everybody would be acting on it. And if everybody were acting on it, any kind of advantage would be completely nullified. The result of that is there's no way to perfectly time the market. But absolutely do not sell. uh, As long as you're sticking to this long-term investment investment plan where you buy stocks as you can over a long period of time to build up a long-term portfolio, then you absolutely cannot sell if the stock market crashes Uh, because the only way that you will ever see... The kind of success that you need to see in the stock market, the kind of success that everybody talks about, is if you are in the stock market after those crashes, and you don't panic, and you don't sell, and you hang on for the long term. And it can be really hard, because the world is telling you that there is danger, and suddenly everything seems riskier. Um, Of course, the risk was always there to start with, you're just seeing it played out in a way that, you know, the world is panicking right now. Um, You cannot give in to that. You absolutely must stop yourself from doing anything that might uh, prevent you from enjoying the gains of the stock market that always come after every crash. You never know when it's going to return, but you know that the only way to be there is to do it, is to be in it at that time. This goes against our basic instincts because when we are see everybody panicking, we panic too because we think everybody else must be right. There's, re- it's really difficult to go against this basic human reaction to the world. Um, so one of the things I like to do is ignore it as much as possible. Um, so there's, there's the you have the opportunity to stop reading. The financial news, first of all, uh, because they're all about you know hyping whatever happens to be going on at the moment, whatever is going to get people to read their articles, to click on their videos, and to do all of that kind of stuff. You don't need to fall for that kind of viral marketing and it really is marketing. It might be news, but it's also marketing. So ignore that as much as possible. And keep in mind what you know invest some of the best investment gurus have said is if everybody's panicking, that's the time that you can just relax and be calm. And if everyone else thinks everything's going perfectly, there's you know, there's no risk in investing. And everyone's saying, oh you've gotta you've got to enjoy all of this this hype that we're seeing. That's when you need to relax relax and just step step back for a moment. You have to do the opposite of what you you see going on in the world around you. And that is the hardest thing to do because you want to go with the flow. That's just a human reaction. And somehow you have to think outside of yourself and just stop that from happening. And that is really difficult. It is really difficult.
0: Yeah, and just kind of to add on to that When I start seeing the market starting to crash, that's the time I look into my more liquid accounts and uh, like like my savings account and that, that I have... A certain amount of money in. And that's why I start looking at that account and then pulling money out <laughs> and, and putting it into the market because now I can go bargain hunting. So it's kind of, uh, it, it kind of requires a change in mindset when it starts to crash. to being saying, uh, rather than going, oh my gosh, my life is over and the world is ending, start step back and say, uh, your new mindset is, oh, now it's time to go bargain hunting. Let's see if I can find a deal.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the more you can do the opposite of what everyone else seems to be doing, the better off you'll be in the long term. But- But at the same time, there's 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 some risk and you feel the risk. And if you don't want to take the risk, that's understandable. If it's better to just do nothing, Um, you know, start with this plan in mind and then just stick to the plan regardless of what's going on around you. And you you don't have to you don't have you don't have to go bargain hunting if you don't feel comfortable doing that. The best thing to do, if, if, if you can't do the best thing, which is, you know, find those bargains in, in sometimes that just means investing in the stock market when when it's down and everybody else is selling. But the next best thing is just doing nothing and sticking to the plan and letting and write it out and let it all play out around you, because in the long term that's how we've it's the history has shown that it that is the approach that pays off in the long run
0: all right well great answer and i think that should do it for us this week make sure you visit us at adulting.tv for more information and for more resources on how to become an adult and use your money and your time wisely
1: thank you for listening to adulting Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.